Hi, we're the Fantasy Football Fanatics. My name is Duncan, and this week I'm joined by Gary in Santiago. Welcome, Gary. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, thanks. But getting back into the lockdown swing of things, we, we've been uh, everything had been open until recently, but now I'm uh, back in the ho- house arrest. That's in Chile, right? Yeah, yeah. We hope we're hoping it's just going to be for a, a two or three weeks, but um, one one last lockdown for old times' sake. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I think as you go back into lockdown, we're slowly coming out of lockdown in the UK, and I'm struggling to adapt to what is about to to hit us like socializing with people outside the house i'm not sure i'm i'm used to that so yeah i might just squirrel squirrel myself away like a hermit and yeah it does does look a bit naughty now when you go to a restaurant and you see people like not wearing a face mask it's like oh i can see your face i know now and and now like i'm ill at the moment i don't it's not covid i don't think but I feel like the culture has changed now. So even though I have maybe just a cold, I should go around wearing a, a, a mask. I mean, I should be doing that for COVID anyway, but I feel like in the future now, maybe maybe Western nations will start wearing masks for everything, for any little cold. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be nice. So that I, I, I know in the Far East, it's been like that for a while. So yeah, good idea. Exactly, yeah. Um, what about your football moment? So we're in the middle of the international break, in the the kind of wasteland of the international break. What have you got for a football moment? Yeah, I mean, I mean let's be honest, the international break's a bit rubbish. I mean, sometimes you can get the odd good game, but at the, this particular set of fixtures has been a bit a bit dull so far. Um, but there's always laughing at the misfortune of others. So um, for that for that reason, it was like Ireland uh, losing to Luxembourg. And um, I, I, to be fair to Luxembourg, I think they've got a little bit better recently. But I remember when, like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago when they were in England's group and it was like, if we didn't win 6-0, they'd be getting, like, criticism. Um, but, yeah, I just, just watched the goal. They said Luxembourg scored the only goal of the game with about five minutes to go. Um, and it was kind of 25-yarder in the corner. But by, by all accounts, like Ireland obviously had some chances, but Luxembourg played well. It, it wasn't a complete freak. And they've, um, yeah, heaped more pressure on Ireland. So um, that was the, the standout for me. So that's even worse, it, it not being a freak, freak result. Like Luxembourg actually potentially deserving something from the game so yeah i mean in the theme of taking pleasure in others pain that you've set up for our football moments my football moment has got to be something that my brother sent to me he always finds me good football moments and this one was a a corker back in kind of game week or just in the run-up to game week 29 um spurs uh my nemesis team as an arsenal fan um got dumped out of the Europa League by Dynamo Zagreb. Um, 2-0 up on Adribut, they end up losing 3-0. And Joe Hart <laughs> tweets straight after the game, uh, 3-2, job done. And yeah, it's just it's so beautiful. Like It's so classic Joe Hart. He's, blamed, he's come out and he's blamed his social media team and he's put an apology on Twitter. But the apology is almost as funny as the tweet itself, to be honest. So... I recommend checking that out. Joe Hart, what an absolute hero as well. Job done. Fancied a bit of time off, I think, next next month or so. Yeah, good honesty from footballers for a change. Yeah. Joe Hart is also a, a big 
fan of going up to the cameras and doing the big apology after the game and saying it's it's not good enough, good enough, like it's just not good enough. And he's he set that one up for himself really because um, that's straight up his alley for an apology. Um, moving on from football moments, we have the game weeks to look back on from blank game week twenty nine, and starting with the top scorer out of all of the podcasters, potentially surely out of even the listener league as well right gary have you checked that or yeah yeah we'll, co- we'll come on to the listener league later but um i guess i guess i want to start with a heartfelt apology because um i know we we normally give lots of rubbish advice on this uh, pod about which players to bring in um and then last week um when i'd actually had a, a really good idea a bit of a brainwave and it worked and for once i was actually having the right ideas um, but I think we were all a bit busy. I was certainly busy with work last week, so we never actually recorded a pod. So um, I kept I kept these belters to myself. But um, yeah, no, I actually um, yeah I, I had my free hit last week and I managed to get ninety four points, which um, I think is only it was only ten points off the highest score in the entire game. And I um, I looked up this guy's team and he'd spent 40 points in negative in transfer. So I'm, I'm calling that a moral victory, at least over over the top scorer in the entire uh, the entire game. So, um, yeah, my my brainwave was basically just looking at the four fixtures and thinking, oh, well, three of these are going to be really tight. But I just fancy Brighton are going to thrash Newcastle. Um, I know they were on the same number of points, but I, so I went all in on Brighton. I went um, Dunk, Veltman and Trossard as captain. Um, and and it, it paid off because Trossard was the top goal scorer. So sorry, sorry to the listeners for keeping that one to myself, that um, Trossard was the man to back. But um, yeah, I had the glorious moment where Veltman played a long ball forward. Trossard took it down, turned and shot one in from 20 yards. Uh, it just couldn't have gone any better than that, really. I mean, even if you'd been on the pod and you said, look, guys, the way forward is a Brighton triple up. Um, I'm not sure if many people would have rushed <laughs> rushed to bring in those players. So credit to you and captaining Trossard as well. Like, that's pretty immense. Um, yeah, I, I kind of de- I decided to kind of throw down the gauntlet in our like WhatsApp group. And the, the day before I said, oh, I'm going to captain Trossard. Would, would captaining Trossard be a crazy idea? And Ben just replied like, no. And I, I couldn't work out whether that was a double bluff or whether he actually thought it was a good idea. Maybe he can uh, clarify in the future. Um, but yeah, no, I, everything went, came off for me. I also had Lingard and Bamford. And it's, it's good with these chips. Like you're, you're taking a risk at the four games, trying to find out who you think will do best. But um, but yeah, it, it's turbocharged me up the league. I've I've gone from... Outside the top hundred fifty thousand to fifty second thousandth in the world. Um, but the, the big news is you've taken over second place in the podcasters league. Yeah, well, you've knocked me off second spot. I'm feeling pretty smug because um, I think a few of the other guy, uh, pretty much everyone else, I think you'd all gone for is it game week twenty two or twenty three. There was like a few double ups, and you'd all used your free hit then. Um, and was I was it game, game week 18, maybe. Yeah, something like sure. something like that. Yeah. yeah. And um, I worked out the time. I think it it probably cost me about 15 points to the rest of the, the other four teams uh, or the other four podcast hosts. 
Um, and in return, I've, I've got about 45, 50 points back on most of you this week. So I'm, I, I'm feeling a bit smug about that, I'll, I'll be honest. You've, you've got a game week rank, which I've never seen before, which is a three-digit game week rank, 311th in the world for this game week, which is crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, should we go from, from the sublime to the slightly ridiculous? Of course. So I have been planning for game week 29 with my transfers for a very long time. I, I get fixated for some reason on blank game weeks. I did this last mm. season and the season before, and I start making changes or not making changes based on who's going to play in that game week. So I've kept hold of my two West Ham defenders, even though Craig Dawson, surely West Ham's top scorer, even though you know half of those are own goals at the moment. Um, he came in with a hefty minus one. Kufal with a zero pointer. Mac target zero points. My my big transfer in for a hit. Uh, Dallas. I don't know why I thought let's gamble on Dallas when I could have gone Lingard. I could have gone someone much more exciting. Brought in Dallas for a hit. I did Captain Bamford. So I got to watch the game on Friday night. Um, Fulham versus Leeds. It was a really good game and it. I've been slightly slightly not loving the new format of football where you get one or two matches maybe um, in an afternoon and maybe you only get to catch one of them and it, it might be a bit of a dud. Whereas normally you could switch over and watch something else. This time you kind of stuck with what you got. But that Friday night game was brilliant. Leeds were great. Fulham really played their part and I was so happy with watching Bamford get the returns. If he hadn't done, I'm not sure how far I would have fallen. Um, how did you feel, Duncan, when, so as an Arsenal fan, you, you got to see Dawson like shin one spectacularly into his own net from 10 yards out. So on the, on the one hand, Arsenal have just scored an unexpected goal, but on the other, your, your differential player had uh, shot himself in the foot. How, how did that feel? <laughs> how did that feel? Um, I would say, to be honest, that wasn't the big pain that I was feeling. I think the the worst pain I was feeling was that Lingard had absolutely smashed one in um, on the half volley and he was the player that I was going to bring in instead of Dallas and in the end I went for Dallas. So I was more smarting from that rather than, you know, I kind of expected that um, Dawson wouldn't keep a clean sheet against Arsenal. I just stupidly kept hold of two West Ham defenders because they were playing and I thought, oh, they might get something. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I didn't watch the game. I was out um on toddler uh parenting duty with another friend who's an arsenal fan and we were just watching the updates on our, on our phone as we stopped our children running into attack swans or um go swimming um yeah so not a great game for me i also brought in bale uh who got zero points didn't play um it all went slightly horribly wrong, but 46 points. I mean, it's not a disaster. And do you know what we have now? We have a title race between the podcasters. So Ben's still within touching distance, I would say, of you and me. Um, Matt and Andy probably too far now, potentially about 70 points, 80 points back, but but maybe not. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It's rather than just two people going for the top spot, Having it between three of us is is going to make it much more exciting for the rest of the season. Yeah, Ben's still got that forty point cushion, but we'll have to 
he can't he can't block now if there's two of us exactly yeah yeah so that, that could uh challenge his could, blocking skills he can't block you as well because you're a maverick out he can definitely block me because I've been trying to weirdly block him all season, although he's ahead of me. But it's wildcard time so pretty soon. Do you still have any of your chips left? I've used all my chips now, but I, I okay. still have the wildcard. Okay, there you go. That's a chip, right? The wildcard, in a way. Um, okay, so we're, we're all got a wildcard left. Ben's got a triple captain, and I've got a bench boost, which potentially doesn't count for much. So it's all to play for. Exciting times. I just want to give, uh, while we're doing the game week, an, an honourable shout out to Andy, who um, he, he, he only got 23 points this week, which is despite making three transfers. But um, from, a, from a squad of players, of, of all the captaincy choices, he went for Cresswell, uh, who, got, who got zero. And even as a vice captain, he had Bale. So that oh, was no. quite spectacular to have a captain and a vice captain, zero, zero. Uh, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, he's got to try and do something different at the bottom of the league to something that other people aren't going to do. So it's going to be even riskier, isn't it? But Cresswell is one of the top scoring defenders, if not the top scoring defender. So it could have worked out. Um, how about the listeners league? You, we mentioned it before. Have you topped the listeners league? Surely Gary, surely. Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, I think it, the listener league, it really stands out. Like if you look at the top, 10 scores or the yeah or the top nine scores there's only one person who didn't have the free hit this week um but yeah i managed to get the most from the free hit i got 94 points uh the moys are back david moys our old favorite uh got 86 and bring the cane latchland anderson got 77 all all free hit teams i was one of the only two people i think who went for trossard as captain um so and yeah, funnily enough, the week before was a bit of a bizarre week as well because myself and Andy were the two top scorers in the league um, on 69. So we've so yeah, I shot up a bit. So um, I'm actually now just broken into the top 10. Um, You're in the top 10? Yeah, oh no, you've, take, you've taken my place weeks. in the top 10 and, and in the podcast league. Damn you. Yeah, only just. I'm only, only on joint in the top 10. Um, but yeah, to give you the top, the top five, so you've got Stenhouse United, uh, still top, but only got 49 this week. So the, the, the gap's been cut. Um, so that's Daginger Stenhaug. Then FPL Nordic, Morten Lingbo is 20 points back. Um, a further four points back from him and a big climber this week is Mad Dog Earthy, Ricard Westin. He got 73 points with his uh, free hits. Kane as captain. Um, then formerly VC, John Paul Dodwell, uh, for the 18 points back on, uh, on um, 1,924. Uh, tied with the Raising Canes, Eric Toft, 1,924. And then Ben, Podder Ben, one, one point further no, back no. in six. We don't, we don't need to mention him. He's not in the top five. Come on. I mean, he's I, old news. I also wanted to get, I mean, it becomes blatantly obvious at this stage of the season um, which teams have basically given up. Um, but so unfortunately, we had one team that you can see a few of the really low scores. The teams have basically, I think, just given up. But we had one team we didn't get any points this week, which I think must be a, a record. I'm not sure I've seen a team. Uh, so that was um, Trap House Rangers, Ivor Sincia. 
Um, so um, he's down in 115th. He's one of the lowest in the league. But um, yeah, he was a, was a little bit unfortunate. He only had one player playing and it was the um, aforementioned uh, Aaron Cresswell. So, uh, so sadly, uh, a return of zero for... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, you know how um, you know how FPL is a game within a game, so it's a game based on another game, which is football. Mm. Have you ever met anyone who plays a game within FPL that's not the normal FPL game? So some people play the team value game, where instead of trying to accumulate accumulate points, they're trying to accumulate team value, and there is actually on the front page of the FPL website. Um, if you look at top leagues, they're looking at you know or top teams potentially. They say there is a like a ranking for who has the highest uh, team value. So that's kind of a game within a game within a game. I just thought of another potential one, which is you play FBL. The aim is to get no points. It's kind of like you know those card games when you're you're trying to not get any points rather than get all the points, but you can't take any hits. That's the key. You've got to stay at zero. The closest to zero wins at the end of the season. And I think I think you should have like um, you should have like a ten point penalty if because if, if you, you could obviously you could just you could pick um, some player like so the uh, Ivor who I just mentioned has got uh, Oscar Burr from from Wolves in his team. Yeah. Um, so you, if you just picked a player like that who just never plays, I, I think you'd have to have like a I don't know like a ten points added for every player who like is a nut, doesn't play if, if, if they're in the starting 11 so so that would force you to have um oh so, you, so you've got to pick players who who play yeah regularly if you have 11 say if you only have nine <laughs> starting players that'd be two penalty it'd be a bit like the equestrian you'd have two like technical fouls so you'd have like 20 points added to your score for uh for it'd be quite it'd be quite good fun so if you had to kind of pick players a certain amount of players who played regularly you'd be looking for people who get red cards regularly who get sub before 59 minutes who score own goals stuff like that um yeah i mean yeah i'm, I'm looking at a couple here of um so you got a couple uh, sheffield united was my go-to team so you got lise Mousset, who's on 1.2 points per game at the moment oh, or a bit of a star from last season is ender stevens he's on point four points per game and he's played uh most of the games this season ah there you go he would be the most valuable player in that league um that's a potential offshoot if it doesn't work out for you at the start of the season maybe go down that road start a new game within a game within a game within a game um thanks for the listeners league that is um congratulations as well for topping that and congratulations to those in the top five and for those rising up the ranks um now, should we have a look ahead to game week 30, which um, I don't know about you, Gary. You've got your wildcard left. I have a few people have, have got the second wildcard left. The way that I'm treating it, and I think quite a few people that I've heard about are treating it, is that it's it's the final week for me before I play my wildcard in 31 because there is a bit of a fixture swing. Teams like Wolves, Arsenal, um, Liverpool as well, I think. Um, don't have too bad a fixture run. Chelsea, really nice fixture run. Everton as well. Um, others in there um, that we can discuss. But 30 is kind of the 
the last of these set of fixtures and then 31 onwards they they kind of swing a bit so it's a good time for a bit of a punt this week so we thought we'd go back to the old school style of pod go through each of the fixtures um in game week 30 and try and pick out any potential punts with the king the the newly crowned king of punts coming swiftly off the back of his um season topping free hit gary the maverick king so should we start off with chelsea west brom yeah we can i, I just wanted to challenge the orthodoxy so i've, I've seen this a, a bit about wild carding in game week 31 and i guess oh okay yeah Interesting. Um, i i i kind of I, it was good to explain for you to, duncan to explain why people are thinking of doing that i mean my my tactic at this stage i think would still be to try and keep my team as long as I'm happy with it together as long as possible because then if if you can keep your your team together for a few more weeks I think is it is it is it 33 or 34 when it, there's currently a gap I think it's 33 yeah it is so like man man city and one or two others don't have a fixture that week mm-hmm. so that might be a good time to wild card or it's um it's southampton tottenham man city and fulham that don't have a fixture in game week 33. Mm. And I have quite a few of, I, I've got Ward Prowse and I've even got Maha from Fulham. So apart from my three man city, so I'm, I might try and keep it intact till then. I mean, the other thinking is if, if you, the longer you can keep it intact, the, the wild card, when we get to like, I don't know, is it 34 or 35 when we, we suddenly might have a couple of double game weeks. That's true. You, yeah. You can come, you could suddenly use your wild card near the end of the season and get like, like at least half your team, kind of doubling up yeah very um, true and do you do you really want to use your wild card to load up on wolves players based on the season they've had so far and liverpool the form they're in at the moment and arsenal <laughs> who are pretty unpredictable and are probably thinking about europe rather than premier league i mean it's a good point i mean that's the tricky thing yeah I, the one of the the one other thing i had to say on this was um You'd also like, I would be starting. I've had triple Man City now for the last two or three months, and it, I think it's served nearly everyone well. But I'm mm-hmm. starting to look at getting rid of Man City players just for the fact that there's nine games left in the season, and Man City have only got eight games left. And I think they'll have, they'll have wrapped up the title with about three or four of those games to spare. So I really don't know how how reliable the man city play. i still think man city will win most of their games but i just don't know who's going to play for them and um if you're looking for teams with value i'd also say like everton and villa are the two teams that have 10 games left so you know you're going to get particularly wild card wise you're going to get an extra game out of out of everton and villa and the the thing with villa is that it's a good reason like you're saying not to load up on your wild card in game week 31 because they start with Liverpool away and Man City at home. So maybe you wait till 33 and they start off their West Brom at home. So the perfect time to potentially triple up. Um, yeah, that's another that's another reason to go with your strategy. Um, yeah. Yeah, throwing a cat amongst the pigeons. I like it. And this is, this is why you do well at this time of the season because you think differently to the crowd, Gary. Well, usually I'm a long way back, so I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm one of those marathon runners that have just left a little bit too much in the tank, so I'm still going strong at 20-odd miles, but the, the winners have already got their feet up and having the champagne at the, at the end, but um, we'll see. Um, see. Yeah, so, so Chelsea, West Brom, um, 
I actually think this might be a, well, it's, it's not a not a too crazy revelation, but I think West Brom might be the whipping boys here. Um, so I'd be tempted to go all in on Chelsea if you can. Um, so a, a couple of ideas. I mean, Chelsea defence, obviously West Brom don't score many goals. Um, but a couple of other ones. I mean, Mason Mount is in really good form at the moment. I've got him and I, I think I might be captaining him this week. Um, but interesting one is Kai Havertz. Uh, he's, he's been so disappointing for the whole season, but he seems to be now be a bit of a, a false nine. And he, he's played the last two games, full 90 minutes. So if you're really looking for a, uh, a left field pick, then uh, Havertz might be the one for you. I just worry with those Chelsea attackers, apart from Mount, who is going to play? Um, because he has rotated quite a lot. You know, his mainstays seem to be Mount, uh, Rudiger, Aspilicueta, the goalkeeper. And then everyone else seems fairly changeable. So it kind of worries me slightly. It's, if you're going down the route that I was thinking about of as a one-week punt, punt, I'd want my one-week punt to definitely play rather than the, the potential that you might have you know, wasted that, that fun on uh, someone on the bench. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. I mean, it, I guess you can take a, a guess. It depends how strong your bench is. If you if you're pretty confident your bench is going to play, then I'd, I'd say like Havertz or even uh, Werner, like a West Brom are the kind of team that could just fire fire one of them back into form. So, um, but I know yeah, it's um, a high risk strategy. I know West Brom are likely to be the whipping boys this week, and you know from them looking at the fixtures. But I do think there's something to be said for the fact that Sam Allardyce has had a couple of weeks uh, international break to prep his team, which isn't stacked with internationals, to plan for this game against Chelsea. Whereas Chelsea have been all over the world playing all sorts of fixtures, so I think that's that kind of suits Allardyce. Um, having some time with his players, drilling them, getting the defence sorted, setting up a game plan. Um, so that 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 makes me think maybe they'll have a bit more to them than they've had in the past few weeks, West Brom. Um, and also Chelsea haven't been scintillating going forwards. I think for me, their best FBL assets have actually been in defence. It's just, do you want to take a punt? Well, not. If it's a one-week punt, Rudiger or Aspilicueta seems like not a very high ceiling. Um, so is there anyone else you think in the Chelsea defence that's more likely to get more points than that, has a higher ceiling, basically? Well, I mean, so I, I have Aspilicueta and Rudiger, so I'm obviously going to play them that week. Um, I guess if you know who the wing-backs are going to be, and again, there's a bit of rotation here, but mm. you, you think if, if Marcus Alonso plays, he's someone who's shown he can score a few goals. So He's um, not going to be tired from international duty as well, is he? I know Chilwell's not played. Has he? I'm not even sure if he played against San Marino, but didn't play against Albania. So mm. Alonso hasn't played for Spain. Yeah, so 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 yeah, Alonso or, or Reese James, but again, he's he's kind of battling a bit with uh, Hudson Odoi for that wing back role. So um, yeah, if, it depends how well you know the Chelsea starting team. Um, but again, I, I think I, if you're looking at a slightly longer term strategy, then I mean, I've I've had Aspley question Rudiger for a while, and um, like the Tuchel has been very effective at shutting down the opposition team. 
Um, they do have a blank in 32, though. So, But if, for the next two weeks, you've got West Brom at home and Palace away. I mean, you can't ask for two better fixtures than that for a defender. Yeah, definitely. I've just checked, and um, Chilwell did play against San Marino, that testing, testing 90 minutes for him. So uh, maybe that means Alonso is... You know, had more time with Tuchel to be drilled for this game or potentially games going forward. So could be worth a punt, but it is tricky to guess, isn't it? Mm. Okay, so that's that's Chelsea West Brom. What about Leeds Sheffield United? This is another potential good place for a punt. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think I think Sheffield United obviously are really struggling. Um, this was quite a close game when they played earlier on in the season. It was like an eighty-eight minute. Bamford winner, uh, Bramall Lane. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I'd look at the same Leeds players that we were looking at for last game week. Um, and I'd, I'd make the point that Bamford, um, Rafinha and Jack Harrison, they, they all basically were, were resting. They're not, they're not international mm-hmm. players. So they, they will be fresh. A few of the other Leeds players are, have been called up, but the, the two wingers and Bamford, um, are the ones I'd be looking at. I, I, if you want a bit of a punt, I'd go with Harrison because I think a lot of people have Rafinha and Bamford. But I was actually, I was very seriously considering Harrison last game week and I was slightly put off because he'd not had a lot of minutes. But then against Fulham, he played really well. He got an assist. He played the whole 90 minutes. So it makes me think he's still um, part of the first team. I have two kind of points that I want to make on this game. The first one is quite important. It's that um, their manager's their caretaker manager's name is Heckingbottom, which sounds like uh, an insult or a swear word that someone in the British upper classes would say. <laughs> oh, Heckingbottom! Yeah. Paul Heckingbottom. Uh, I know him. I know him well. He was uh, he was Wednesday's left back uh, when we got promoted from League One. I went. I, I knew you were going to know him. I was like. Yeah. Paul Heckingbottom. I'm sure he's got a Sheffield Wednesday connection. Yeah, no, he was a de- he was decent enough uh, lower league left back, um, but um, yeah, I think he's a little bit. It's a bit of a stretch to be managing Sheffield United in the Premier League. It was a weird, um, a weird back three that he played. I know he doesn't have many options, but in the FA Cup against Chelsea, um, I think he played Bulldog and Stevens uh, in the back three. Which was, I know, I mean that that's pretty bizarre. But I think injury-wise at the back they weren't really well set up. Missing O'Connell, um, missing Egan, missing potentially Passion. We'll have to see if he's back for this game. But he wasn't, I don't think, for that one. And Purdue was also missing for that game. Um, maybe they'll have a few more defensive players back, but not looking good. Um, especially in the Premier League before that as well. So I think on on Bamford, why I put him as captain in game week 29, my kind of one success of that game week, was that he just missed out, narrowly missed out on England duty. And he'd been in a patch of not the greatest form for the last few games. And that's why he didn't get picked. And I thought that would be the perfect spark because he talked about England a lot recently. I thought that would be the perfect spark to... Um, for him to go and score goals, and I think this is another game um, where I think he could, he would want to get the media attention on him ahead of the Euros and with England having just played in some international games. I think also it's on a slight 
set kind of separate note, not really related. I think it's kind of crazy that Ollie Watkins got um got a call up ahead of Bamford. I think across the season, Bamford for me has looked the more complete player. Um, but um, but there you go. But I think yeah, I think this will fire him up potentially for the rest of the season in the run up to the Euros. Um, and he showed that against Fulham and Sheffield United are not as good at defending as Fulham. So I, I like Bamford as a as a potential captain for this week. Yeah, just a couple of things to say on Bamford. Is one is he did limp off the last game. I don't, I don't I don't think it was a serious injury, but it, it looked like just a bit of a knock. But um, mm-hmm. so he should he should be fine. But he did, just to mention that, and also he seems to do better away from home. Like mm-hmm. his record all season has been better away from home. So um, I'd be slightly reluctant to captain him, but I mean I've got him in my team, so I'm definitely going to play him. But I, I don't think I'll captain him. It's a good point as well because he he had a knock going into that Fulham game, still played and then came off again. So it's definitely one to keep an eye on. That is a good point. And Sheffield United at home on that pitch, the Leeds pitch, which is pretty awful, that might play into Sheffield United's hands because Sheffield United are going to prefer a, a dodgy, crappy pitch where they can lump it long and Leeds are going to struggle to pass the ball around them. So yeah, Maybe not captaincy. That's that's a good point. Um, okay, so I like I do like the Rafinha shout though because he has looked on fire recently and he wasn't on international duty and he is a cut above. So that having those two does seem like a good plan. What about Leicester versus Man City, the late kickoff? So I think this is a tough one to call just because Leicester. Um, they they beat Manchester City so convincingly earlier in the season, like 5-2 away from home. I, don't, I know it seems like a long time ago now. Um, and their kind of counter-attacking style, um, you'd think might cause City problems. But then I looked at the results and City have won eight of the last 10 fixtures between these two teams. Um, last season, they got a late goal from Jesus to win 1-0 at, at uh, Filbert Street. Um, is it still called that? No, the King Power, I think they call King it Power, these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I feel like I feel like this is a tricky one to call, though, just because of the Vardy factor. So again, if you're looking for punts, this is very punty going against Man City's defence, but um Vardy got a hat trick in the last fixture he's he's actually got two hat tricks against Pep since he's been at Man City um so he is one of those players that that high line of of Man City's he can get in behind them and and cause them problems um but I I think Man City have just been so good I'd still back them to win but but maybe not keep a clean sheet so I'm I'm a bit I'm umming and ahhing over my City defenders and maybe going to leave at least one of them out I think I would be leaving one of mine out if I still had to. I actually got rid of got rid of stones for, for Dallas. Looking back, I'm not sure that was a sensible thing to do, but I got rid of stones, kept Diaz with this game in mind because I wasn't sure I was going to play both of them. If if either of them, I'd play Diaz, and that's probably what's going to happen. So I'm not sure about Vardy though because. Having watched him on highlights and the odd kind of bit of games I've caught of him, he has not looked like his usual self. He's been snatching at chances. He's been drifting out of games um, and he hasn't looked very clinical. Um, I know he has a good record against the big teams and like you say, a high line would play into that. But um, Ian Acho seems to be the man of the moment for Leicester 
Um, and he is an X-Man City player. So I think he would be my pick if of any <laughs> Leicester striker at the moment. But against Man City, I just wouldn't be going there just because they've been so solid this season. Um, I think probably the same for Leicester. Um, yeah, sorry, Leicester defenders, I wouldn't be going there because Man City can can definitely get through them. And Leicester have quite a few injuries at the moment um, in attack. So Barnes, Madison, um, kind of crucial to the way they play. I know they've done all right without them. Uh, defensively, they're going to be potentially missing Pereira um, and obviously James Justin kind of long-term. So I, I feel sorry for Leicester. They've, they've just battled with kind of injuries all season and kind of gone under the radar the whole time and done okay considering doing well in the FA Cup. But um, I, yeah, I think low scoring classic Man City uh, game, potentially considering goal, but still winning and probably not the place for punts. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd just say if you're trying to wean yourself off Man City players, now might be the time, but just because mm-hmm. I'm looking at their squad. I, I'm not sure I've ever seen this before in FPL, but none of their squad are showing injuries. They're, they're all showing as available. Wow. Um, you've got Jesus and Aguero up front. You don't know which of those. If I, I either will play... They've got a fitting Gundogan, De Bruyne, Sterling, Mares, Foden, Bernardo Silva, Ferran Torres. Like, like who's going to play is just the big question. But the the big carrot of Leeds at home in game week thirty one, like Leeds will not change their style. We know that surely, right? And if you manage to get a Sterling or a De Bruyne or someone in the attacking third of Man City who's going to be starting that game then you've got to hope for a big return I would keep them just for that even even if they end up not starting I think it's worth the risk yeah I I'm thinking of because I have Sterling at the moment and he seems to have dropped down the pecking order a bit but bizarrely Mm. that might be a reason why I keep him because if he's suddenly not first choice for the Champions League team then he comes into it because it seems like Foden and Mares. Obviously, De Bruyne is the one you could always say he's going to be in City's first choice team, but it's just, he's actually their second string, could be more dangerous now. And if Sterling is like the the first choice reserve for the Champions League, he might be a, a useful one to have for the running. I remember well the end of last season, Sterling's form, because he's basically the reason that I managed to um, beat Ben to the, the prize of the top podder score. Because he was getting hat tricks, he was scoring goals for fun, and uh, he wasn't very highly owned. And I, I imagine that's probably still the same, right? He hasn't been very highly owned all season. Let's just have a little look. See, where are 6.3%. you? Point three percent. Exactly. There you go again. So he's a great differential, and like you say, meaning second string potentially means Premier League duties. So yeah, I like that shout. Um, okay. Next up, it is Arsenal versus Liverpool, and. This is a really tough one. I think I feel a, a sense of another three-all draw coming, like uh, the Arsenal-Liverpool games that we used to have in the uh, League Cup a few years ago with like Julio Baptista getting four goals and Arshavin getting four goals and no one being able to defend. Uh, do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think I think there's probably goals in this one and I feel like this seems to be a game where... Um, Often the team who take who score the first goal go on to lose. So so um, like a, a Anfield earlier in the season, Arsenal took the lead, 
but then Liverpool won three one. Um, the the the, ga- the game before was a two one win to Arsenal. It's, so it seems to be both teams scoring in these kind of games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering. Um, I picked out two players just because they've scored in this fixture, both both the last two games. So one is Lacazette, who's hit a bit of form at the moment. Um, so obviously he scored he scored three in his last four, and he scored in both the last two games against Liverpool. And the other one, again, this is a bit a player who's gone a bit out of fashion, but for Liverpool, has scored in both the last two of these games is is Sadio Mane, and. If you look at the overall season, he's not been too terrible. He's still getting like 4.6 points per game, but not not to justify his hefty price tag. But he's he's gone on a run of um was it seven games without a goal? Yeah. Um but I just wonder like we know he's a quality player and he might be one that comes back. Yeah. And he'd be up against our our weaker defensive side. So we're stronger on the left side where Tierney is. On the right-hand side, we're a lot weaker. And I think that's because we have either normally Bellerin and then David Luiz next to him. And that's um, not a good combination defensively, uh, especially against Mane. Because Mane has scored quite a few against us in the past. So I like that shout. And as a one-week punt, if you are going down that strategy, that's quite a nice, quite a nice one, I think, that no one else will be thinking of bringing in. It's very Gary, and I like it. Apart from that, yeah. I would um, I keep an eye on Saka's fitness because he was, uh, he I think he's left the England squad because of injury. It's a yellow flag at the moment, and I think he is so important to how Arsenal play going forward. Um, and if you're considering whether you play your Liverpool defender or whether you play your Arsenal attacker or bring in an Arsenal attacker, I think Saka is crucial to so much. I think you can forget Odegaard. I think Saka is the big man for me. The thing that the guy that makes things tick up front. Although in the last few games there has been a raise of standards amongst the kind of also rounds like Pepe and even slightly Willian, and there seems like a lot of competition for places now. And Arteta, I think it has raised standards. So I don't think this is going to be a walkover. But I agree goals at both ends potentially so Mane is a good shout for that one I like it as a punt um, what about Southampton Burnley Burnley surely have had a lot of time to prep they haven't got a huge amount of internationals right I mean Southampton Southampton got, haven't got a lot but they've got a few yeah, I, I think Che Adams is suddenly Scottish for them, isn't he? So um, he is, yeah. ho- hopefully being um, being away with Scotland won't depress him too much. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Now I feel I feel like now this is a tr- this is quite a tough one to call. I think because Southampton obviously been on a bit of a bad run lately, um, and. Burnley did the double over them last season, but Southampton won at Burnley earlier this season. Uh, it was Danny Ings who scored in that game. Danny Ings might still be injured. I I feel like at home, Southampton should should have enough to beat Burnley. Um, and I'm going to stick with Ward Prowse, who's in my team at the moment. I put him in for a couple of the earlier fixtures, like he had Sheffield United a double game weeks. So, but I, I feel like I feel like this is one where Southampton should have too much for Burnley, but it's I, I it's, it's not guaranteed. 
I agree. They've got they've got their full team back. I would say, apart from uh, Ings, obviously the most important player, or he was last season. But I think having that defence back, you know, Walker Peters, Bertrand, and the two centre backs back, and a choice of keeper McCarthy or Foster. Um, yeah, I think they've got their their spine back, and I think it definitely showed against Bournemouth in the FA Cup. Granted, like Bournemouth <laughs> was so bad, like not the whole game, just in the crucial moments. Like I don't know if you saw Redmond's goal, uh, where he was r- running against Steve Cook. <laughs> Steve Cook just just in front of goal, tracking Redmond across the box, just fell over. Um, in true Steve Cook. I, he should be a farmer and not a footballer star. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was about to say, he always had the air of a rugby, um, yeah. rugby player, didn't he, playing football? Yeah, definitely. And he's he's taken that form with him down to the championship. I mean, I'm not sure how much you can you can base on that, but it will be a confidence boost to him, definitely, and into the semifinals as well. So um, maybe, maybe that means they're... The focus will not be on the Premier League so much, but it it will in this week. It won't be for in a couple of weeks' time. I, I like that shout. I think Southampton are coming back into form and and they shouldn't have too much to fear. I think Armstrong has been looking really sharp for them recently. Um, although Redmond kind of grabbed the headlines against Bournemouth, I think Armstrong was the key player attacking-wise for Southampton. So I, I wouldn't bring him in as a punt, um, but I think... He is a cracking player and one to watch out for if Southampton can do something in the summer with some signings. I think he could do a lot and his price isn't going to rise for next season. So he's one to keep an eye on for me. And your man Che is not doing too bad. I mean, he's been criticised a lot, but he's doing all right, isn't he? Yeah, he's got uh, seven goals this season. He's kind of had a bit more of an impact. He's, he's actually just checking his scored. He's scored in each of his last three games. So yeah. Um, He's certainly man in form. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're back in Southampton, but not sure about punts. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Newcastle Spurs. So this <laughs> this should be a big one for me because I've got the Spurs attacking triple up. I've got Kane, Son and Bale, but I'm not sure Bale's even going to be invited on the team bus and... I'm not sure Son's going to be able to walk to make it on the team bus and that everyone has Kane, right? <laughs> I don't. You don't have Kane. No. Maybe he should be your game week 30 punt. If I could afford him, I don't know quite how I'd, uh, how I'd manage that. But um, yeah, I'd, well, so I've, I'd written in my notes for this one, nil-nil. So. <laughs> wow, um, really? I don't know how that goes with your triple up. I don't know. I just feel like... so. I was looking at it. So this uh, the, the game at White Hart Lane was a 1-1 draw. Like there was a dodgy late penalty, yeah, I think, yeah. Alan Wilson. Yeah. Um, Spurs did win 3-1 at Newcastle last year. I just feel like Newcastle are just going to somehow scrape enough points to stay up. And this is the kind of game that they would draw either a, a nil-nil or a scruffy 1-1 with like a late goal. I, I, I feel like they. I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals in this one. Obviously, you've got... Jose and Bruce, two managers who like to sit back and mm. wait for the other team to take the initiative. That's um, true. I'd, I'd say, like, the Brighton result aside, the three matches before that are a 1-1, a 0-0, and a 1-1. So, 
so that would yeah that would definitely be the kind of result i think you're potentially talking about a low scoring draw or a nil nil um i just i don't know newcastle just looks so bad against brighton and they've looked pretty bad for such a long time and i know just one player isn't enough but surely i would say that spurs have enough especially if son is back and fit that's a big question mark the lack of urgency that um Newcastle showed against Brighton was amazing. Like against one of their relegation rivals, and then they were one nil or even two nil down. They were just letting Brighton pass it around at the back and just didn't didn't seem to have much interest in chasing the game. But I guess Bruce's tactics tend to be to kind of sit back and then suddenly just to try and catch the other team unaware and just have these little five minute pockets where the team suddenly raises the game, which it doesn't always make for riveting viewing. Um, I think Callum Wilson is looking like he's going to be back for them. And I think mm. he, he has been such a difference for them. So it would probably, Spurs would be a lot more cautious, I think, if Callum Wilson, Callum Wilson was playing. Yeah, that's very true. It would change the whole set up of the game, wouldn't it? Especially for Jose. And a Spurs away, Spurs are away, and he is a very different manager away from home, especially against top six. This isn't anywhere near top six opposition, but yeah, I agree that would change his setup slightly. I just feel like this would potentially be a game for, you know, the likes of Deli Ali or one of those attacking midfielders like Bergwijn, but it's just so hard to predict which one of them is going to play at the moment because he's got lots of options and not many in good form. So even Carlos Vinicius, you know, he scored in his last game. You know, what's the good reason to drop him if he's just, you know, he's returned from the last game. But I think that's a bridge too far for me. It's just, he's pretty dispensable to Jose. You know, he can change his mind and it's not going to cause too many problems. So yeah, maybe, maybe you'd be safe going with that Kane. He is just a man on fire this season, so um, I think I mean, you're brave. If I, if I was looking for a punt for this game, it would all be about the defence rather than the attack. I, I just think it's going to be a, a dull one. I agree, dull, but um, I I wouldn't back against Kane. Um, okay, so not really any punts there. Aston Villa, Fulham. Um, it's a tricky one to call this one, don't you think? Because... Villa have not been in good form recently, despite having not too many injury problems apart from Jack Grealish. Yeah, well, the, the, the funny... Th- so, yeah, I think Grealish should be back. So, that I think it's more than just... Like, some team, they need a string of injuries. I think with Villa, like, Grealish is so central to them that having him back would be a massive boost and could help them but the thing I've noticed about this game is that Fulham are doing so well away from home so they the, at the start of December they lost 2-0 at Man City since then they've played eight games in the Premier League they've not been beaten away from home um, they've drawn six but also won at Everton and Liverpool so that's it they, they really do seem to be kind of getting into a good groove away from home um, so I, I mean I have a bit of a dilemma in this one is that I have Martinez and I have Ariola, and I'm leaning towards playing Ariola just because I think Fulham seem to be like hitting a groove away from home and I think he might get a few more saves to make um, 
I mean, the other Fulham player that stands out for me is Luckman. I, I did have him for a bit and I took him out, but when, whenever I see him play, he always looks really dangerous. And he did get an assist against Leeds um, from a corner, I think it was. But but yeah, he, I feel like he's kind of underperformed. He's got four goals and four assists, but I kind of feel like he's probably threatened to have a lot more than that. So um, I think in the, in the Leeds game, he had a, a good few chances where he should have either tested the keeper or just finished fairly easily. And, you know, it was a swing and a miss or it was a miscontrol and the ball would end up behind him when he was running into the box. He looked like it just wasn't working for him. And the corners were massive, though, because he took all of their corners from both sides and he had a lot of targets to aim for. Leeds, obviously, terrible defending set pieces in the air. Not sure the Villa are. I think Villa have got quite a decent... Um, defence for set pieces so I'm not sure about Lookman to be honest he's in my team I brought him in for game week 29 others might have done the same so I'm not sure I agree with you on that to be honest mm. well I mean yeah I, it's not really a punt but my one for this would be I, I mentioned that Villa have got more fixtures than most teams they've, they've got 10 still to go so um, and Grealish's price has probably dipped a little bit he's down to 7.5 so he's gone down kind of 0.3 since his peak. So it could be a good time to get back on the, the Grealish bandwagon. Yeah, that's a nice shout, actually, isn't it? What's his ownership now? Has it? Have people even noticed he's gone He's gone down to 17.5? So that's pretty low for him this season. Um, and FPL is a game of bringing them in before other people do. So that's a really nice shout, yeah. Um, but it doesn't work with the the fact that Fulham are keeping so many clean sheets away from home. Um, yeah, plus, hmm. plus his, his fixture, despite having more games to play, his fixtures coming up after Fulham is Liverpool away, then a blank. Um, and actually, Villa's fixtures look quite tricky on the run-in. So, um, yeah, they've got oh, 10 yeah. games, but they've got some tricky ones. They've got, like, most of the top five or six still to play. Um, it's difficult isn't it because like you're saying they've got some double game weeks coming up at some point um, but the fixtures aren't amazing uh, well another reason to keep your wild card in your pocket so either you bring them in and then change your team to get rid of them or, or the other way around yeah I mean it depends how much you read into international form as well but I guess you've got you've got Grealish you've got Barkley and Watkins are all trying to play their way into the England squad so if you, if you think that's going to motivate them um, I think it's happen. definitely gonna definitely gonna motivate Grealish, um, and I think it would motivate Barkley, but I'm not sure that would actually come to anything. Um, yeah, but the other two for sure. Um, just with those fixtures, if you're going to keep hold of them, yeah, Man City and Liverpool. Oh, I'm not so sure. Um, okay, let's keep looking for those punts. So, Man United, Brighton. Um, Brighton are the champions of XG and uh, expected <laughs> expected not conceded. I'm not sure the um, the opposing XG is um, XGC. I think they're they're leading the table. Obviously, big for that against Man City. But then it finally came to pass against Newcastle. They delivered on their potential. What do you reckon against this Man United attack? I feel like I feel like this is going to be a game where Brighton play well again, but just lose. Um, I, I I feel like if you were going to look at Brighton, then I mean I picked Trossard as the captain 
last week and in the way that he kind of joins their attacks through the middle and kind of pops up he seems to be the one that that finds the space and he, he's obviously he's he got 10 points against Southampton the week before and now 14 points against Newcastle so he's definitely in form um but I, d- I don't think his finishing is not his strength so the fact that he's scored a couple of goals is probably means he's He's, he's, I think he hit the post about four times against Manchester United in the return fixture. It was the one where mm. Brighton again with a better team, but then Fernandez got that penalty in like the 99th minute. No, no, um, it was the penalty like after the game had finished, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so I, I feel like, I feel like Brighton will probably play well, but Manchester United will win. I feel like a lot of people have mentioned Fernandez as a captaincy for game week 30. And I don't really see that with Brighton, how they've been playing recently and what the stats have been saying recently. I think we've looked and we've seen, you know, Chelsea, West Brom, Leeds, Sheffield United. I think there were other better captaincy shouts out there than Fernandez. So, Do you think that's fair? So- to give him a bit of stats in his favour, he scored. Obviously, he scored in that game uh, the uh, at Brighton, but he also scored two in the game before that against Brighton. So he scored three goals in the last two two versions of this fixture. Um, the other one I picked out. So Man, Man United have beaten Brighton in the, the last four meetings, um, and Rashford has scored in three of those games. So again, it's not a it's not really much of a punt, but Rashford and Fernandez are good. That's the breaking news. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so Everton Crystal Palace. Are Crystal Palace one of the whipping boys this week and are Everton a good place for punts? I think potentially um, DCL and Richarlison and co could do something here. So yeah, I'm I think Everton are one of those teams looking at backing. Um, so, as I mentioned, like Villa, they've got 10 games left. Um, but also, of the 10 games left, they've got some really nice-looking ones. So it goes, yeah, Crystal Palace at home, Brighton away, Spurs at home, okay, Arsenal away, but that's slightly tricky then. But then they've got Villa at home, West Ham, Sheffield United, Wolves. They've got to play Villa twice, actually. They've got two two games against Villa. They've got to squeeze a an away trip to Villa in as well. Um, the only really tough game is Man City away on the last game of the season, but then they might be on the beach by then. So, um, so yeah, I'm looking at how I can get Everton players into my team. So the week before the, the, the free hit, I brought in Michael Keane. It didn't work because Burnley won 2-1 at Everton, but um, I'm still hoping he's going to be a good part of my defensive rotation. Um, but further forward, yeah, I've got my eye. It's a it's a it's a toss up really between DCL and Richarlison, and I think my money's on Richarlison. On pens, of course. Yeah, and on a bit more form. So he scored four goals in his last six games, whereas Calvert Lewin has only got one. And yeah, it's it's a bit. It feels a bit weird to, to pick a striker who then plays out on the wing a bit, but I mean, it's never done um, Aubameyang much harm. I'm not so sure if he has been out on the wing recently. I think there was a bit of change in tactics 
where he was moved a lot closer to Calvert-Lewin and Calvert-Lewin's position was sacrificed slightly. I feel like um, they're playing more like a two up front now rather than DCL up front with a three behind. So mm-hmm. that would that would say Richarlison as well. So you're thinking you might bring him in? He's certainly in my rotation. I mean, it's it's kind of in my thoughts this week to just save my transfer and have two for next week. But if mm-hmm. I do... Um, if I do bring him in, I've got Vardy, who's a bit of a, as I say, I've, I've got a funny feeling he'll trouble Man City, but on paper, Vardy to Richarlison and a little bit of money elsewhere in my team looks like oh, a good move. That sounds nice. One thing to make you question that or make you think about it is that Crystal Palace have kept three clean sheets in the last four games. Um, to be fair, two of those games were West Brom and Fulham. Um but a nil-nil with Man United. There was a talk before the Man United game as well that, um, was it Cahill or was it Milivojevic? I think it might have been Milivojevic came out and said, um, you know, we're changing the way we play, essentially um, changing the emphasis of our play. We need to focus more on defence. And I didn't believe it at the time. I thought, yeah, 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 great. Who knew Palace could get more defensive? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I did think like, great, you know, you can try that, but Man United are going to whop some goals against you. And they didn't. And they didn't against Fulham and against West Brom as well. And I think that potentially that gives them some defensive form uh, or just enough form to, to keep the score down. So that would be one thing that would say a little warning light for Everton players. Um, but it is Crystal Palace. They are have been pretty poor. I mean, are they still in danger of going down? I feel like they're safe, but I must admit I need to check. the. T- I, it, it, this is 12th. the kind of time that Palace usually go on the beach, isn't it? Yeah, um, they're 12th. They are safe, I would say. 37 points. Yeah. Yeah. They're safe, so they could go on the beach. Yeah, that's a very good show. <laughs> um, which is a good time of the season to be checking on beach teams. So let's have a look before we go look at the other fixtures. So Fulham are on 26 points. Um, they're the only ones who are going to catch anyone. Uh, Newcastle on 28. Brighton on 32. So those are the kind of teams that are going to be busting a gut even potentially Burnley on 33 and Southampton. But then your Wolves, your Palaces, maybe they're the ones who could potentially be on the beach and Wolves with their good fixtures and one of the teams to potentially target that I was talking about with your wildcard, maybe not so much. Um, Okay, yeah, flip-flop time potentially for Palace and Wolves. Um, Mm. So, yeah. I've I'm swinging both ways, and now I'm coming back to Richarlison as a punt. Well, yeah, I can I can hit you with a couple more stats. So, um, okay. Palace haven't beaten Everton in the last twelve meetings, and um, DCL and Richarlison have both scored in both the last two games against Palace. That's a very good sign. Okay, I mean it's not one that people are going to be thinking of, and it's a really good one, I would say. So, <laughs> fill your boots, do it. Captain C and all. Last one is Wolves West Ham. Um, 
I can feel you itching. What do you want to say? <laughs> no, I, was, <laughs> I was going to say this is this is one of the hardest um, yeah. call, I think. Um, yeah. So it's a bit of a weird one. Is it? So the last two times they played at Molyneux, Wolves have won two nil and three nil. But when when they met earlier this season, West Ham won four nil. Um, which was a bit unexpected. I think quite a few people had Wolves players at that point in the season. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I I feel like West Ham, they've been unusually good. So I'd be, I'd be slightly favouring West Ham for this one. Um, and if you really want to go for a punt, then I would go for Jared Bowen. Um, mm who scored two against Wolves earlier in the season. So there's obviously something he likes about playing Wolves. And he also scored last week against Arsenal. Um, he's a good attacking midfielder, but you've got a few to choose from that because you've obviously got Suchek and Lingard. All three of them in behind the strikers are all good goal scorers. Uh, plus Antonio himself up front is always a threat. Um, so, yeah... But I guess you could read this the other way and say it's time to start stacking up on Wolves players. And with Wolves, um, you'd kind of hope that some of their defenders that were, were good last season would would be coming back to form. So um, I think Roman Sice is the, the the classic one. He's, he's the best points per game in their team and he's only 4.9 million. So um, he might be a punt if you think Wolves are going to win that one. I just think what we were saying before about the potential teams on the beach being Palace and uh, Wolves based on their position in the table, kind of factoring into it. And West Ham really have ex- something to fight for this season. Um, you know, they're in fifth. Um, they could catch Chelsea. They're only, what, like two points away from them. Chelsea in fourth. That's something huge for the West Ham players. And they've been in such good form all season. You know Lingard um, getting a start for England and, and coming on in the next game and looking like he's back and just being on absolutely outrageous form. Um, yeah, Antonio as well with a, I mean, surely with a shout for England as well. So um, I, I would go West Ham with this one, um, and I, I like the fact now that I've got two West Ham defenders. Maybe it will actually finally come to some fruition and Craig Dawson will score at the right end. But I do, I do think that Wolves are a trap. People are talking about them as bringing some loads of Wolves players in. But, I mean, yeah. I, okay, they, they're next after West Ham. They've got Fulham, Sheffield United, Burnley, West Brom, Brighton. But I, I do really think if I was Fulham or Burnley or Brighton, this would be a kind of game that you'd really have a circle around Wolves. Like, this mm-hmm. is where we can get three vital points and we'll, they'll be throwing everything into it. I, oh, admittedly, Sheffield United and West Brom, Wolves should have too much for them. But some of those games aren't quite as easy as they appear on paper. I wouldn't be planning on tripling up or anything like that and bringing in Neto and Traore and stuff. I just think, you know, defender, like bring in one of the defenders as as a really good, fairly cheap option. You know, I mean, even Connor Cody, I know he's a bit more pricey, but um, at 4.8, like, if you're on wildcard, it's a good way to bring in someone who's always an option against those teams. And, yeah, I wouldn't be going all out on Wolves, though. 
Um, okay, so who out of all those fixtures for game week 30 would you say are the best punts that we've picked out? I'm guessing you're, you're thinking Richarlison, right? Is there anyone else? Maybe I like, I do like the Mane shout. I mean, I still, I'm still looking at Chelsea because I think if any team's going to win five nil, it's going to be Chelsea. So I still think mm. someone like Mount or Havertz is a is a good punt as well. Yeah. Okay. Nice one. Well, it just leaves me to say thank you for your insight, Gary. It's been really, really helpful. Um, my pleasure. We're now locked in a battle to the death for second place in our league. So uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> not even considering catching Ben. But Ben loves finishing second. I think he even tries True. to finish second every, <laughs> every year. So it's between you and me for top spot, surely. Yeah, the pressure's on, Ben. When you, when you hear this, like, don't, don't get nervous when you're making your transfers. Yeah, whatever you do. Don't just bring in Richarlison to block Gary because I'm bringing in DCL. So... There's no way to block us. Just don't overthink it. Cool. Well, yeah, all the best listeners this week. Hope you, hope you have a good game week and we'll, we'll catch up with you next week.